Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ooh, wasn't the nightcap fun yesterday? Oh man, overtime. Boston and LA superstars posting huge fantasy numbers, game tying buckets, huge runs and crazy runs in that game. And uh, then the Lakers just kind of running out of gas. It was a weirdly, you know, Tuesday, it was only five game card last night. So, you know, we don't have a ton of box score stuff to go through. There are there are definitely some notes. Uh, we had a couple guys get hurt mid ball game, particularly the, the Suns suffering from it more than anybody else. Uh, Golden State mad about free throws and things of that nature. There were not, however, which is, I, I know, this is sort of the worst way to start a podcast. There were not, however, that many roster-changing things that happened during the games last night. So, uh, we'll preface here. This is probably not going to be the longest podcast of the of the fantasy basketball season. I don't have any particularly extended rants that I want to get into either. But I do have a piece of news so let me talk to you for a minute. Let me talk to you for a minute about the news of the morning. Some good, some bad. I'm going to work my way up to the good one. The, the Well, actually, it's all kind of good news, come to think of it. And you'll have to excuse me once again, everybody. I am continuing to fight my way through a relatively mild kid cold, but there is a decent amount of congestion and I may have to try to stop to cough every now and again. Good news number one, Ira Winderman, who's a longtime beat writer for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He covers the Miami Heat. He's one of the most well-followed uh, beat writers, I think, in probably the world, if you eliminate like the big, the Woj, the Shams type of stuff. Uh Winderman tweets that the plan moving forward for Jimmy Butler is to sit out one of the games of the Heat's next back-to-back set, but from there, it's possible he will play in future back-to-back sets. Now, possible does leave the door open there, but you know, for Butler, who's number 13 on a per-game basis, but has only played an 18 game so far this year, that's always the knock on Jimmy is that he's not getting in there for every single ball game. And, you know, the fantasy numbers are outstanding, as usual, 22, 7, and 6. Big steals numbers, great percentages this year. In fact, you might even see his free throw number tick up as the season goes. And he's under two turnovers a game somehow, which is wild, all things considered. Sadly, his team isn't winning all that much, and that may be the impetus behind this decision to try to get him into the back-to-backs because they're losing games even when he's playing. The Heat have had some weirdly kind of sickly games lately, and I think they realize they need Jimmy Butler out there to kind of make it all click. uh, So that's good news number one, is Butler might be playing in back-to-backs moving forward. Uh, Piece of good news number two, Jakob Pertl appeared on the practice court for the first time since his injury in November. Uh, we don't know exactly what that means in terms of timeline, but at least it is progress. So Jakob Pertl, who had vanished into the abyss here, uh, a bone it was initially just like a sore quad, and then it was a bone bruise on the knee. And at that point, you're like, oh my God, this is 
that doesn't sound good at all because like Kendrick Nunn missed a season with a bone bruise. But he's being seen. He's spotted. Jakob Pertl was spotted on a practice court. That is, again, very good news. And we hope to see him back in the not-too-distant future. And then the biggest, best news of the morning. LaMelo Ball, after missing 11 games with his most recent ankle sprain, this is one where I believe he stepped on a, a fan's foot, is hopeful, optimistic, nay, optimistic, that he will be making his return to the Hornets lineup tonight. That is outstanding news. If there's anyone in your league that hasn't seen this news yet, this is your only opportunity to go out there and try to get him. Maybe you can even... Here's the thing. You can't, like, do a big overpay because then that would tip him off that something's about to happen. But LaMelo Ball is a top 20 per game fantasy play, and he's about to make a colossal difference for that Hornets team. And he makes a difference to a lot of different guys. What this does, well, for one, it eliminates Dennis Smith Jr. So if there was a chance that he was going to get back before Ball, then we might have been able to squeeze a game or two out of DSJ. That's not going to be happening. LaMelo's making his return first. What does it do for some of the other guys? Well, it's going to make their shots way easier. And we've seen with Terry Rozier, he's actually starting to pick up on the field goal percent side a little bit. This is going to help him. We don't necessarily need Rozier to take 21, 22 shots a ball game. We need him to be taking better shots and getting steals. Because right now, his efficiency is an anchor. So this is going to help everybody. A, a rising tide and so forth. It might even help Jalen McDaniels. Uh, although we'll see kind of how the, the lineup shuffles. Gordon Hayward is still out, so that I don't think should impact it. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. They've been kind of going a little bit bigger. Uh, the only person that, in my estimation, it might hurt a little bit would be Kelly Oubre because he's been doing most of his damage by getting a truckload of shots. Oubre's number 68 on the year. You know, maybe his field goal percent ticks up a tiny bit with no Lamelo, but if the field goal number goes down, so the points, the rebounds come down, yes, you know, he's a volume guy, and his volume stuff is generally in the negative, this might hurt Oubre, and then if Gordon Hayward ever resurfaces, then it definitely hurts Oubre, but I'm not making any preemptive moves on any of these guys, and frankly, I think I would start most of them, and even, you know, looking more at the LaMelo side, he probably doesn't play 35 minutes his first game back, at least, you know, not if they want him to survive this season. What do we think? 24 to 26 minutes? Something like that. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, so good news on the injury front, almost all the way around. And then in a, a much smaller one, Royce O'Neal is off the injury report. He's expected to play Friday for the Nets. Uh, that was a personal absence. So a lot of guys coming back, which I guess is kind of what you needed to hear to buttress that against some of the box scores we're going to go over when uh, a couple of new guys got, well, injured in yesterday's ballgames. But first, hi. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. We've been down that road quite a lot. I'm going to spend some time, by the way, uh, for those that follow me on the social side or on the YouTube side, this is the time of year where I kind of begin to pivot from, uh, like, the first two months of the season. I spend a lot of time trying to funnel everybody into our forums over at Sports Ethos. This is the time of year where I try to funnel everybody to th this recorded podcast. The podcast, at the end of the day, is my baby. Everything I do on Twitter is to power Sports Ethos and get more listeners to the show. So... 
if you're a watcher on YouTube, if you're a listener to the podcast on a traditional channel, if you are someone who follows me on Twitter, please do whatever you can do to help us spread the word on this show. We want it to keep growing. It allows us to keep doing more stuff because our hosts, YouTube, Red Circle, whatever, are able to put ads into these things. And yes, I'm going to be wiping my nose from time to time on the podcast. I'm a sick man. I'm doing a damn podcast and, you know, boogers happen. Uh, but again, it's at Dan Bespris over on Twitter. If you want to also write and find anything out, the forums work fine. That's sportsethos.com slash community. It's a great place to get that thing started as well. And if you're listening over on the traditional podcast channel, please do check out our YouTube page. That thing's been picking up in steam these days. It's youtube.com slash sportsethos. We have after the show lightning round Q&A sessions over there. Those are a lot of fun. And then obviously, if you're going to go and watch any of our stuff on YouTube, I would ask you to kindly thumbs up those things and subscribe to said YouTube channel. Let's get into the ball games from yesterday because we got all this really lovely good news out of the way here to start the show. I love starting a show with good news. Allows us to bury the bad news a little farther into the mix. Philly blew out Sacramento. No DeAnthony Melton on the Philly side. So Shake Milton saw his minutes bump up. Matisse Dybul got the start, but we've long since established that he's not going to do enough stuff when he's in a lineup to make a difference. Milton is the guy you were looking at there to say, well, is this going to be enough for him? And the answer with Harden around is no. I can't believe how amazing Tobias Harris has been this year as just, like, efficiency pillar. Uh, and he's still way up at the top of the board. He's number 33. I didn't see that at all. I thought for sure this is a year he takes a step back because, frankly, after Harden got to town last year, Tobias took a big step backwards. But he's found a new rhythm. Defensive stats are higher. Efficiency is through the roof. I still think there's a chance that he peters out a little bit. You know, maybe when Tyrese Maxey comes back, that'll be the, the thing that knocks him off. But it's not going to be as far as everybody thought, myself included. Um, this is what I get for doubting our guy, Tobias. I've always loved Tobias Harris. I, I doubted him, and I, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. Um... Anyway, you're holding on to DeAnthony Melton. I, you know, we don't really know what Tyrese Maxey's deal is. Will he be back in a week, two weeks, whatever it might be? Melton has a, a very real chance to hold on to value even after that. We saw he was inside the top 100 coming off the bench. Um, but, you know, he's been a monster in the starting five. And it's good to see Harden and Embiid existing well together on a Philly team that, look, they got off to a bad start this year with Harden. And then he got hurt and things got tougher. And then Embiid missed a few ball games, and things got tougher. But quietly, they are working their way up the board now. They won three in a row. They're 15 and 12. And frankly, they've looked pretty good doing it. You know who's also rocketed up the board? The Brooklyn Nets. They're 17 and 12. They're the four seed right now. They didn't play yesterday, but they are the four seed. Sacramento's been struggling of late. Uh, you know, it's the ebb and flow of a long season. Kings have lost a couple. They're four and six. Their last 10. They're certainly much better at home than they are on the road. Uh... But still 14-12, and 12, still at the top of the play-in spot. They're going to want to get this, this ship righted a little bit. I, you know, I think the big takeaway from this for most folks is that De'Aaron Fox has slowed in a big way. And we said that was going to happen. So there shouldn't be a massive surprise on the De'Aaron Fox front. There really shouldn't. Um, you know, he was shooting 55% from the field, 85% at the free throw line. And it was very easy to look at those numbers and say, well, this doesn't add up. 
Duh. He's been much closer to 50% from the field throughout his career. And he's been much more of a mid-70s foul shooter throughout his career. Well, the field goal percent has now dropped back to basically the career norm for him. He's at 50%, but the free throw is actually still on the high side at 81.5. There's a chance that that holds. There's also a chance that defensive stats goes a little bit higher. Those have completely fallen off the map. I think, you know, with Fox playing 32 minutes a game, I expect him to average a little more than one steal per contest. He's at one right now. Uh, 22 points, five boards, five and a half assists. The assists are a little lower because Demonis Sabonis is doing a decent amount of the orchestrating for them, and frankly, he should be. Uh, but with De'Aaron Fox, we always knew this was coming. You know, he was number whatever he was. He was like number 14 two and a half, three weeks ago. We were like, look, see if you can get somebody to give you a top 30 play because when the mean reversion hits, he'll fall behind that mark. And here we are. Same story for Kevin Herter, who got off to an insane start this year. Now he's number 92, and he's always been more of a 100 to 120 range type of guy. Um, I do think his free throw percent is going to come up a little bit. Herter's having a, a strange time at the foul line, but he probably does profile more as a 90 range dude this year. Not 50 or whatever he was at. And then the other note on this one is that Keegan Murray had a serious dud. And we talked about him on Monday's show as a guy that was starting to make a little bit of a stride forward, but still has all the rookie stuff to deal with. And I think we kept saying, like, do you think he's going to get good in January? Do you think he's going to get good in February? We don't know when it's going to happen. I had my rant on yesterday's show about Kawhi Leonard. I figured it out. It was Keegan Murray. That was the the other half of the, the trade. It was like, sell Kawhi Leonard for Keegan Murray. I mean, that again, analysts, our job is to keep you from panicking. We must be resilient in our efforts to keep you from panicking and think about how upset you'd be right now if Kawhi suddenly back playing 31 minutes and probably going to post like second round per game value and you sold him for Dylan Brooks or Keegan Murray or something like that you'd be so mad right now you wouldn't have even been all that happy the like four or five weeks when the, the, uh, Kawhi was out Malik Monk was a little better I guess that was something you can still hold on to Monk. He hasn't been that great lately. He's, like, right on that edge there. And then with Harrison Barnes, you know, I didn't buy it. And I told you guys I didn't buy it. I said, I don't think he's taking enough shots for this to stick. And he's number 138 in 9-cat. Like, all of this stuff evens out. There's no surprises anymore. A couple of surprises here and there. That's not fair. Uh, Bucks beat the Warriors 128-111. And, you know, that'll happen if Steph doesn't have a good ball game. And the Warriors were mad, hopping mad, I should say. They were they were hopping mad about calls that weren't happening. Um, what did this game do to fantasy values for anybody? Really nothing. Um, you know, Klay Thompson had a slower game. Jordan Poole filling in for Andrew Wiggins was, you know, meh. Steph was meh. Anthony Lamb had the weirdly decent game for the Warriors. Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, this was like blowout stuff. It had blowout box score written all over it. I guess the only note on this one is that with Steph having a little bit of a down couple of games, I think, he's fallen into the four hole in nine cat on a per game basis behind, of course, Anthony Davis, who's still running away with it. Then Shea and Kevin Durant are basically deadlocked at two. Steph is a tiny bit behind those guys. Then it's Embiid, Jokic. Tatum, who moved back into the seventh spot after a big ball game yesterday. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off to Luka and JJJ with his absurd block number. That's 
another one if you want to talk about something that's likely to come down. On the Milwaukee side, no Drew Holiday. He was injured, or uh, sick, I should say, for this one. Javon Carter got the start and didn't really do anything with it. When someone's out for the Bucks, usually it means a couple extra shots for Grayson Allen, and it didn't even mean that in this one. Allen had 16 points in a good ball game, but he made all six of his shots. It was actually Bobby Portis who took a, a bunch of additional attempts in this ball game. So, you know, congrats if you figured out that it was going to be Portis playing 32 minutes. Brooke Lopez, a little bit of a slower ball game. I mean, like we kind of knew that he wasn't going to be number 12 the entire year. He's at 17 now, but he's able to continue to kind of float things with blocks. Um, the reality is that Brooke Lopez probably isn't going to average uh, 15 points a game the entire year. And with Middleton back, that's probably where some of that's going to go. He still seems, in my eyes, to profile as a top 40 fantasy play. I think if you can get, and it might kind of blow up your team, so you don't have to do it, but if you could trade Brooke Lopez and get someone back that's inside the top 30, I would almost definitely do it. Don't completely destroy your team build to do it. Like, if you got DeMar back, it's probably a win, but what are you going to do about blocks at that point? Team gets way better at free throws and scoring, but your blocks disappear. So you got to think those things through, even if that probably, at the end of the day, is probably a profitable fantasy trade. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily worth it, because we're far enough into the year now where you kind of know what your team needs are. Uh, Middleton, 20 points, 4 boards, 3 assists. Turned his ankle, played through it in that last... I mean, this was a huge relief. He didn't turn his ankle in this ballgame. Let me make sure I, I pick my words more carefully. He turned it in that last one, and it was just this gut punch of like, no, nah, you got to be kidding me, not this again. And uh, he didn't miss a ball game, So that was really cool. And then Giannis had a real heavy dose of bad percentages in this one. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well from the field. The Giannis stuff this year is is wild. His team is great. He's still great. He's a freak. Uh, but he, he's not having the field goal percent impact he's had in recent years. And he is, again, the biggest free throw punt guy basically since prime Dwight Howard, like a dozen years ago or more. So he's ranked 116. <laughs> that's crazy. Giannis Antetokounmpo is 116. I know that that's the impact of one category. If you're punting free throws, Giannis is number 10. He's still not number one, by the way. I know what you're thinking, Dan. Is it Luca? It's not. Luca's number two in a punt free throw. It's actually Anthony Davis. And you're like, what? AD's a positive in foul shooting. Yes, but he's such a small positive in foul shooting. And the guys all right behind him are really big positives in foul shooting. This is the magic of working the board on your, your ranking sheet. It's AD and then Shea, KD, Steph, and Embiid. Those are the four guys right behind him. Those guys are all huge free throw positive dudes. So AD only being a small positive. If you punt free throws, his value doesn't change all that much. But all the guys chasing him, they fall way down the board. And then Luka jumps over most of them because he's been quite bad at the foul line again this year. Fun with numbers. I don't know. We got time on today's show to just do whatever the hell we want because, you know, short card and all that stuff. Houston beat Phoenix. And this, okay, look, 
Phoenix is in a tailspin. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. They've lost five games in a row after opening the season 16-7. and seven. They were in first place at that point. They are now in fourth. They trail the Pelicans by two and a half and the Grizzlies. They trail the Nuggets by a game. By the way, Denver got off to kind of a, uh, I don't want to say sluggish start to the year, but sort of like an unfocused start. And very quietly, they're 16-10 and 10 and they're the three seed in the West. I think the Nuggets actually have a chance to win the title this year, which... It's going out on a limb. They're going to need MPJ to get his butt back in there. We saw him practicing. There was video of him practicing a couple days ago, so hopefully he's not that far away. But I don't want to get distracted by the Nuggets. Let's talk Suns. There were two things at play in this ballgame. Number one, the Suns lost campaign midway through the first half to, I think it was an ankle tweak. No, foot. Bruised his foot. And lost DeAndre Ayton midway through the first half to a tweaked ankle. That one was an ankle. Both of those guys for now are listed as questionable because we haven't really gotten a full report on what they what the injuries are or how long it's going to be out. The campaign one is a little bit less important than the Aiden one. Yes, obviously. Uh, the Aiden one is a pretty big deal because DeAndre had been playing very well of late and Devin Booker and Cam Johnson are already out for this ballgame. So all of a sudden now, the Suns are down three of their starters. Torrey Craig has done admirably filling in for Johnson. He's been, you know, we call them a chill stream. He and John Conchar have been chill streams. Guys that you could just plug in as like a reliable top 100 range opportunity stream. I want to make sure I use the, the terminology I've been trying to pioneer on this stuff. Opportunity stream, a player who is not what you'd call a traditional streamer, but someone that is achieving their value due to an injury occurring to someone in front of them in the pecking order. So Torrey Craig is a chill opportunity stream. And he was solid. Seven points, 12 boards, three steals, and a three-pointer. That's a perfectly reasonable line. Chris Paul continues to be just awful from the field. It's the darndest thing. I don't know what's happened to our guy CP3. This is a 50%er from the field, typically, who's at 36.5% this year. If you guys don't think that's a buy low, I mean, Chris Paul is like your ultimate buy low right now. It's going to sting until the field goal percent comes around, but it will. And when it does, and he starts hitting, you know, it'll hit 70% for a week and jump from the 50s to the 30s in overall ranking, you're going to want to be there for it. The problem, of course, is that he doesn't have guys to pass it to right now because Mikael Bridges has been slumping from the field also, and he, I believe, is also a buy low. Bridges, who was in the top 20, is now at 34, largely because his field goal percent has slipped from 58 to 47%. And I know that he doesn't take a ton of shots, and his value is largely in good free throws, low turnovers, high steals, high blocks, doing a little bit of everything. But the field goal percent being this low, that's a number that could actually come back up for Bridges a little bit. We'll try to do a little bit of that stuff over on the Twitter side, just in case you guys forgot. That is at Dan Vespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We're going to do some work today trying to figure out if and how we might be able to get our hands on some of these sickly field goal percent players right now, like Bridges, not that sickly, Chris Paul, quite sickly, uh, and see if we can acquire them in a trade. Otherwise, with Aiton down, uh, you know, I saw Bismarck Biombo get picked up in a lot of places, and they kind of have no choice but to play Biz, you know, 25 minutes a game. 
The problem is that even in 25 minutes a game, Biombo is not a lock for top 100 fantasy value. He is very much in that regard, a rebounds and block specialist who doesn't seem likely to see many shots while he's out there. It'll just be dunks, like dunks and nothing else. And that's fine and all. Uh, and you could say, oh, that'll be good for your field goal percent. Yeah, but like is, you know, three for four from the field actually going to have that much of an impact? He's also a very bad foul shooter. Biombo, for whatever reason, turns the ball over more than someone who should just be catching and dunking. He doesn't pass. He doesn't get many steals. It, there's like a weird... I'd rather have Jalen Duran, whose fantasy stat set is not that different, but could actually improve. We already know what the deal with Biombo is, but... He, to me, okay, so this is a weird one, where Biombo becomes this weird hybrid opportunity and schedule streamer. I don't think he's good enough to play as just a strict Roto Games Cap opportunity stream, but I do think that his opportunity stream has bumped him into that probably like 120 range, where now he actually makes sense if the Suns have a good schedule coming up which I suppose I could check because this is a show and, and you guys are counting on me to do it. Uh, they play tomorrow, which is Thursday. They play Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. So it's not bad. And then they're off for a couple of days after that Tuesday game. They're off uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, then they are have a good schedule again, Christmas, two days later, and then a day after that. So they've, they've got a few back-to-backs mixed in here. I think if you were looking to try to capitalize on Biombo's rebounds and blocks, you'd probably want to consider an ad on Saturday or tomorrow. You could go tomorrow, uh, but then you'd want to be holding through Tuesday of next week. So that in that instance, you'd get four games over six days, including uh, some of the lower traffic days, like tomorrow. Tomorrow's a low traffic day. Saturday's not really a low traffic day, but then Tuesday of next week is a little bit lower. So there are some reasons to think about it, but I don't know that any of them is like, a must-move kind of thing. Landry Shamit played 32 minutes. I don't care. I know his line was actually kind of decent, but I don't care. I expect somebody to be coming back for Phoenix. If you wanted to add Shamit and just say, well, you know, if everybody misses the next ball game, then I'll play him. That's fine. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't do it until the last second if you're in a head-to-head league. And then in Roto, heaven forbid you drop somebody of any value. Yeah, don't. Uh... Craig is the more the safer play there. And Cam Johnson apparently is not super close. Also, by the way, we got news. I forgot about this. There was some bad news. I'll give it to you before the next ball game because it is applicable. The other thing that happened in this Phoenix Houston game is that this was Steven Silas coming back uh after losing his father. Which and Steven Silas is not a super old guy, by the way. So if you're like, oh well, you know, uh basketball coaches are older dudes, they should be ready to lose loved ones kind of thing that pops into your head. Silas is only in his mid to late 40s. Uh, Paul Silas, I think, was in his 70s when he passed away. I'm, I'm not 100% certain on that. Uh, so it's not like massive surprise age, but people live longer than mid to late 70s all the time. I think Paul was 79 is what I'm seeing on the internet here. Uh, so old-ish, but, you know... And for me, you know, I lost my dad four years ago. Mine was sudden. I don't know the story behind uh, the Paul Silas death. But for Steven to be back and coaching this quickly, I have no idea. Like, my, my brain was was gone for weeks after my father passed away. 
And you know damn well that those players wanted to get this game for him. You know damn well those players wanted to get this game for him. And they did. So emotionally, like if you're looking at, and this is how I, my sports betting tactics rely very heavily on motivational angles. Uh, this was a huge one for the Rockets. Fantasy-wise, not much changed here. Jabari Smith Jr. continues to take small steps forward. His usage was super low in this game, but he was also in foul trouble. Uh, Jalen Green played better. Tari Eason got just 19 minutes again and, and once again flexed how good his fantasy game can be. Three defensive stats, seven rebounds. There's so much to like with that young fella, but the minutes just aren't there yet. It's kind of amazing that he's like top 130 while barely playing. So we get it. We're all just like, come on, 24 minutes. Just give him like four more, five more minutes, whatever. But they're not yet. He's a luxury stash. I'll say it every time after their games until we see something different. Utah blew out New Orleans. I, I just, I, I can't with the Pelicans. Every game they play is a freaking blowout. Every damn game. Win or loss. They finally had three competitive games over the weekend. And so we made a, a big play on Larry Nance. And then they had another blowout here. Nance was actually not horrible. He didn't shoot much, four points, but he'd have seven rebounds, three assists, and he got himself a block and didn't really hurt you in many places, so thank goodness for that. Zion was fine. He was in some foul trouble early, uh, missed some free throws. That kind of weighed down what was otherwise a pretty good ball game, actually. But then everybody else was bad. They just got spanked. And this is generally then you say, this is a box score you just throw out. But the bad news, well, in addition to Trey Murphy, just a <laughs> disaster game, the bad news is that Brandon Ingram suffered a small setback in his return from his toe injury or foot injury or whatever the hell's going on right now. Uh, and they're going to reevaluate him in another week. Ingram, play a freaking game, man. Good Lord. He's only played in 15. And everybody's just leaving him in their wake right now. The guys have played in 28 damn ball games. Kelly Olynyk's played in 30. Trey Murphy still ranked 62 overall on the year, but, I mean, you are seeing... Some little holes here. Young players, they go through this stuff. You're going to continue to stream as long as Ingram is out. I still believe, and it's quite possible that I get proven wrong, and frankly, it doesn't matter. Look, okay, so what I believe is that when this team gets healthy, if they ever get healthy, Trey Murphy probably doesn't have 12 team value at that point. But they may never get healthy, and it doesn't change what we're doing right now. So who cares? On the Utah side. Jerry Vanderbilt, a couple decent ball games in a row have pushed him back up into the 80s. And this is why you hang on to a player that's sort of like puddling, just piddling around in the 100, 105 range, because all it takes is one big ball game. Uh, and then he's an obvious play. Uh, Vanderbilt should not have been dropped. He has a really weird and unique stat set. And then there's always room for a little bit of growth for him. This is just a big ball game. He'll have a slow one. He'll have a big one. Hang on. Uh, Markkinen was back. He looked good. Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, continued to play really well, but he's not going to shoot 70% most ball games. He's not going to get four threes and two blocks most games. I don't think you need to add him. He profiles more as a, as a schedule streamer level play uh, due to Colin Sexton being out. So that's the take on, on Walker. the Or Alexander-Walker, I should say, because they have a, a Walker-Kessler on this team that I want to talk about in a minute. Those two guys making up a delightful Wheel of Fortune answer. Nikhil Alexander-Walker-Kessler. It's been said, I'm sure. Conley, slow game. He'll be fine. Hang on there as well. Same deal for Kelly Olynyk. He had foul issues early, and then they didn't need to play him late because it was a blowout. So no changes on a lot of those guys. Um, 
And Vanderbilt being a hold, that's something I, I wanted to make sure we sort of put a pin in that, put a plant, plant a flag in that here on today's podcast. The guys I want to really focus in on uh, are Jordan Clarkson and Walker Kessler. First, the good. Kessler's been amazing. He got about four extra minutes of playing time in this ballgame due to the blowout and pushed his numbers up. I think he was at like nine points and 12 rebounds at that point, so he got another bucket and a few more boards. He was having a big ball game anyway. He's showing himself to be a per-minute behemoth, particularly in rebounding and blocked shots. I put a pretty good size bid on him in a, the Yahoo Public Prize Leagues where he was available when he got moved into the starting line. I remember when Larry Markinen went down with basically the intention of hanging on to him the rest of the year because it looked like his minutes were trending up towards 20 anyway. And it does seem as though they, they are. And he can get it done in 20 minutes. So uh, keep it going with Walker Kessler, a stronghold. I'm actually playing him in all formats right now, uh, and I would advise you to do the same. But on the other side of this thing, and I got a lot of pushback on this on Twitter, so I'll use the podcast to explain myself a little bit better. Jordan Clarkson is basically a 12-team drop. Yep, let that sink in a little bit. Jordan Clarkson is basically a 12-team drop. Here's the reason. Over the last month, he is number 215. That's a month. You know who else is in that range? Garrison Matthews. Kemba Walker. Karis LeVert, interestingly enough. Lamar Stevens. Jordan Clarkson over the last month is averaging 21 points and 5 assists per ball game. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And it's not bad. And he's hitting 4.5 free throws at 84% from the field. He's a decent positive in scoring. He's a small positive in assists and a small positive in free throws. But that's just three categories out of nine. He's about average in three-pointers, so you can wipe that one off the board. But he's sub-average in rebounds. He's way sub-average for a guard in steals. He has, I think, like one block in his last month. And he is a massive, massive detriment, just like in steals, in field goal percent and turnovers. The pushback I got on Twitter on Jordan Clarkson is that people are like, well, a lot of people are punting field goal percent and turnovers at the same time. Yeah, that's true. So... You know, on the head-to-head -head side, if you're punting field goal percent and turnovers over the last month, Jordan Clarkson moves all the way up to number 107, which does make him a start in that format, but a fringy one. That's just in one very specific build. Now, I don't think... Someone, I think, said that, like, sometimes you'll punt uh, rebounds in that as well, so basically you're just doing, like, a full big man punt. Okay, fine. You've now narrowed down my listening audience by about 98% of you. There might be 2% of you that are big man punting all of your head-to-head -head leagues. For you guys, or gals, or whatever, you can hang on to Jordan Clarkson. But when I say someone is a 12-team drop, I'm talking about the vast majority of us. Those of us who are not punting two categories in all of our leagues. Those of us who have a mix of of head-to-head -head and roto leagues and 
you know, maybe I drafted a big man in one of them. So then I can't punt those things. Or maybe I don't want to go full punt turnovers because everyone in the league is punting turnovers and actually winning that category becomes extraordinarily easy because everyone else is punting turnovers. For all of you, Jordan Clarkson, believe it or not, is a drop. You might be asking, could we just bench him? Yeah, you could. But I think we've kind of seen the best opportunity he's ever going to have. And the high turnovers and terrible defensive stats and horrible field goal percent, it's just, it's too much. Boston beat LA 122 to 118. There wasn't really anything fantasy-wise in this ballgame. It was just a really fun game. Westbrook had a big game. LeBron had a big game. AD had a big game. Tatum had a huge game. Jalen Brown had a big game. Marcus Smart came on late. I think he scored nine points in the fourth quarter in overtime while vomiting, mind you. Came out after the ballgame that he left uh, the court briefly to yak behind their bench and then came back in there and uh, hit a couple of, like, really important shots. That's freaking amazing. Kind of remarkable stuff there from uh, old Marcus Smart. Um, and he's been solid of late. He's He's kind of turned it around. Uh, what did this do for player rankings? Not a whole lot. Like we talked about, Tatum moved up a little bit. AD stayed where he was. LeBron has been excellent since coming back from his injuries. He's all the way up to number 29, uh, on a per game basis now. And over basically since he came back from injury, he's number 12. So he's a first rounder over that stretch. As we kind of figured he would be. Now we just need him to stay on the court. We hope he will. All right, well, I think we, we squeezed every bit of nectar we could out of that uh, five-game review. And to those listening here on traditional podcast channels, I say once again, thank you very much for hanging with us. You guys get almost a promo-free day. We're going to lightning round some promo here before I send you off to your merry way. Just in case you've forgotten, the promo code over at manscaped.com is ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Promo code at Thrive Fantasy is just the word ethos. That gets you a deposit match bonus up to $250. And it's a link if you want to sign up at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Our old name, expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the promo over there. Again, to those of you listening, uh, please do drop a five-star review on the pod if you have a moment. That really does mean a lot. I think we were trying to get to uh we we're trying to get to 850. Before the um, before the calendar year turned, we got 16 days to get there, and we're at 8:42. All right, I'm gonna need one every other day from you guys. Hey, maybe folks that are watching on YouTube, you guys can go over and find it on the podcast app or iTunes or whatever, and throw a five star on this bad boy. But wherever you guys are listening, uh, enjoy the Giant Wednesday. We're gonna cover a lot of that stuff over on Twitter. Again, I am at Dan Vespers over there. And I will see you all tomorrow. So long.